Hi everyone, this is Alex. I wanted to mention that the Cultured Meat Symposium is returning to downtown San Francisco for an in-person event. The event is taking place on October 22nd and 23rd, 2021. This year, industry leaders Sartorius and Merck KGAA Darmstadt, Germany will be returning as gold sponsors. Learn more and register at www.cms21.io. Thanks for joining us on the Future Food Show. We are excited to have Linda as the guest for today's episode. Linda Lilly is the director and founder of the Cocoa Concept. She grew up in the south of Germany, studied film and literature in Munich and Vancouver before moving to London to work for Sony Pictures. In 2018, she went through a physical and emotional transformation, losing 20 kilograms in the process and learning more about foods that would benefit her mind and body. In 2020, she founded the Cocoa Concept with the purpose to introduce the benefits of Cocoa Husk Tea to the UK market. I had a very inspirational chat with Linda. Let's jump right into the episode. Thanks for joining us on the Cultured Meat and Future Food Show. We're excited to have Linda Lilly on the show today and really diving into a really interesting new product. So Linda, welcome to the show. Hi, Alex. Thank you so much. So I want to jump right in for the audience members that might not have heard of the Cocoa Concept. Tell us what it is. Yeah, so I founded the Cocoa Concept a year ago. And what it is, it's a healthy lifestyle tea brand. We are selling a Cocoa Husk Tea which is tea made out of the outer shell of the cacao bean. So when you roast the cacao bean to get the nips, to get chocolate, the shell falls off in the winnowing process and normally just gets wasted. But we are taking this and using it to boil it in hot water. And then you can get a really nice chocolatey tasting tea that has tons of benefits. Tastes amazing, but doesn't have any caffeine, doesn't have any sugars or calories. It's just a really great addition for living a healthy lifestyle without feeling you have to compromise on anything yeah, and just enjoy a chocolatey taste. Now, this husk, would that otherwise be a waste product typically? Yes. So a lot of tons of husk will be just thrown away when you make chocolate. And sometimes they use it for like soil vitality for the garden, but then that's processed differently. But now I think in South America, they, they used it before in the in cacao ceremonies as tea. But now the market is growing, especially like in Australia and North America, more and more people discover the product that you can actually use it and make tea out of it. And then even afterwards, you can add it to your compost or your garden soil. Very nutritious for the plants. Wow. Okay. And since it comes from the cacao bean, it tastes like chocolate. Yeah, it does. It does. It's. I couldn't believe it at the start because it was actually my mom telling me about it. And when she said, oh my God, Linda, you need to try this. It tastes like chocolate. I'm like, yeah, it can't be true. And I tried it and it's really nice because it's very light. So it has the lightness of tea, but paired with the chocolatey sensation without feeling like creamy or it doesn't make you feel super full or sickly, but leaves you feeling very light. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's different. It's different. But yeah, I love it. So for someone who has not tried it, how would you describe the taste? Is it more of like a dark chocolate kind of flavor or is it maybe like a drinking chocolate type of flavor? How would you describe the taste? 
it's more of a dark chocolate, depending on how long you brew it. It has quite a long brewing time. So usually my sweet spot is like seven minutes. So it's quite dark, quite like a dark chocolate, but still very light. So when I do the sampling on farmer's markets, people are always a little bit, oh, that's interesting. Because if I say chocolate, they expect like a, a thicker, creamy kind of texture, but it is just boiling water. Yeah, it's very light. It feels like tea when you drink it, but then the aftertaste is chocolate tea. Yeah, it's very interesting. That's cool. I noticed you said boiling water. We don't typically use, actually, I'm not that big of a tea drinker. I'm more of a, a coffee drinker on the day to day, but we don't usually use boiling water for regular teas. Is that right? So I'm not the biggest tea drinker. My mom is, but they always let the water boil in the kettle and then put it onto the tea. I know some teas can't or shouldn't be using boiling water because it destroys the leaves. But with this one, the husks, it's quite important. It's boiling and you also should cover it so the heat stays in. It doesn't get cold after seven minutes and then it flavors fully come out. Cool. So seven minutes is the sweet spot <laughs> for you, right? And so you learned about this, I don't want to say concept, but you learned about this husk that can be brewed into a really chocolatey tea. When did you think, oh, wow, this is so cool. I could turn this into a business. Yeah, it was quite unexpected. Just a bit of background. So I'm very into living a healthy lifestyle, finding products that are healthy, products that I can understand the words on the label. And so my mindset was always focused into that kind of space. So in 2019, I was playing around with the idea of mm, maybe I should found my own business and I should find an idea, but I couldn't really quite find something yet that was like my whole passion. And then my mom found this tea back in Germany from like some random YouTube influence influencer, my mom. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, what is this? So she found it online. Someone was talking about it. And then she would run into every store um, back in our village and then to the next town and the city to find it. And then in some really small store, in the back of the store, with some horrendous packaging, she found it. And she tried it at home and then said to me, you need to try this. So I was going on a hunt here in London into like every supermarket, all the healthy supermarkets, the Whole Foods, the Waitrose, the health stores, and no one even ever heard of it. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. So I went online, nothing. And so my mom had to send it to me and I tried it. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And from that point on, she sent bags and bags because I would finish them so quickly. And then back in 2020, in January, I was like, you know what? I just really want my own business. And so I had a brainstorming session with my mom and my sister, remember, in my old apartment. We were just brainstorming, what could we do? And then I was drinking the tea at the time, like, oh my God why don't we introduce this to the UK? Because no one heard about it here. No fitness influencer, no healthy lifestyle coach, no no one in the gym ever heard about it. None of my friends went to like living a healthy lifestyle, maybe cutting down sugars or just being mindful of what they're eating, what they're consuming. And I'm like, these people need to know this because it's amazing. And that's how the idea was born back in January. And then I just brainstormed, collected some ideas, looked at competitors like overseas, because at that point there was no one in the UK. And and then I flew back at the end of February to my grandpa's birthday. And that's when I was like brainstorming names on the plane and send them to my sister before I landed. And I remember I walked into my house back home and she had the name written down and the logo created and showed it to me. That was the first thing she she said when I entered. That's it, Linda. That's the Cocoa concept and will look like this. I'm like, yeah, that's it. 
and that's where it started like back in February. And then I registered my company in June after I did some research and yeah, had a bit of a clear idea on the legal side, insurance side, you know, all these things that come up. And then, yeah, I started my Instagram account in June last year and then went live with the product in April 2021. Quite a story. And I think in such a short time, you've actually grown the brand quite a bit. And I recently saw that you guys were featured in Vogue. Is that right? Yeah, that, that's right. It was quite a shock. <laughs> did you know they were going to feature you or did you, how did that happen? Yeah, I, I, I knew about it. So they contacted me because I will be on a fitness well-being event in November. And I think they found me through that and then contacted me. So yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, you could dream of this. Yes, that's been amazing. Just to walk into the store here, I'm like, oh my God, my product is in here. Like, it's just mad. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. But of course, it's it's great to show. And because sometimes as a founder, I think if you solo founder, you feel like, oh, I'm not progressing. Like, it's just so slow, but you have to really celebrate these moments, I think, to keep you going. <laughs> that is very cool. And I think you mentioned Instagram. And I think one thing that really shines, and, and I think you and the brand do very well, is leveraging not only the community on Instagram, but different types of influencers. Do you have professional experience in marketing? And how did you strategize to build the following on Instagram? So I don't have any experience in marketing or influencer marketing. I did like when I was 17, I did an internship in PR, but that was something completely different and at a completely different time. And I was never really active on Instagram either, to be honest. So I, I, I listened to a few podcasts and I listened to a few founder stories and a lot of them said you should maybe first grow kind of a following with things. It doesn't need to be a product, but it can be within your niche of what you're going to be doing. For example, someone who's launching a water bottle could start with, I don't know, finding pictures of nice water bottles and posting Instagram before they're going to launch their product. And that's what I thought, okay, let's follow this approach. So back in June, I started the healthy lifestyle blog. In, in Instagram, I would post nice pictures of healthy lunch spots or brunch spots in London. I would post tips on how to be mindful or fitness tips and inspirational quotes just to start attracting the right kind of audience that I know would like my product. And then after I did that, it worked quite well and quite quick. After I did that, I then introduced the product onto Instagram. So the people who already liked my content will then see the product. I didn't have a lot of strategies here. I was just, you know, let's just try it all out. It will work somehow. And that was the main strategy. I thought, okay, that's easy to implement. Let's do that. And in terms of like influencers, I was a bit scared at first. I thought, oh God, I'm going to approach these people and they will hate it and they will not like me and they will just laugh at me. These are the thoughts that come to your mind. But that was actually the easiest part. So I just looked at some accounts and looked who are they following. And through that, I found some key influencers within the mindful wellness industry, within like yoga, fitness. And I looked at them quite closely. So I was very mindful of who I was picking and looked at how many people do like their posts. Are there lots of comments? Because I think you can even buy followers. So you have to be quite careful of who you're going to invest time with in terms of influencers. I made a list and then I just tried to interact with them from the start. So I'm not going to send them an email or a DM on Instagram out of the blue. So I tried to like reply on their 
Instagram stories, I send them yeah, reactions, comment. So they already felt there was a sense there of interacting. So they could later on when I approached them, see, oh, she was following me for a while. She's really supporting me. So from that standpoint, I think that was helpful because they saw, okay, I'm genuine. And then just really reaching out to Derek. You can find the emails on Instagram, send them an email. What do you do it? What do you do? And I even, I just said, can I send you a free sample? I didn't even mention, can you please post it? Like I never mentioned that. I just said, it would be nice to get your feedback because I'm still growing the brand and I really want to, you know, launch a useful product. And from there, everyone posted it on their story. I didn't ask for this. I was like, that's amazing. They posted it themselves. They posted it themselves, yeah, and they said they explained it in length. Like some stories were like 10 stories long, explaining the brand, trying the products. I was like, that's amazing. People with a million followers or 100,000 followers, and I didn't pay them at that point because I didn't have any funding or anything. So they were just doing it themselves because they really enjoyed the product, and that, oh, that just made me so happy. <laughs> wow, okay, that's cool. And I think that speaks to the product is that, one, people are interested to try it, and two, once they try it, they like it. Yeah, I think the only hurdle is like for them to find it because it's not something you organically Google or come across. But once you try it, like the majority of people really loves it. Yeah. And yeah, the influencer thing was interesting, especially because I approached influencers who had, as I said, like a million followers. And then you have some who have 20,000. And one interesting thing I discovered was people with way less followers have way more engagement. So one girl from London posted it. She had, I think, 40,000 followers. And so many people converted over, followed me, liked my post, bought my product versus someone who has a million, nothing happened. Not even one person came over uh, to my side. So I guess for people who want to invest money in influencers, they have to be mindful that more followers doesn't automatically mean you will get more out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that that is fascinating. And it reminds me of a group of friends I have in Canada. And they're not in the food space, but they started selling a product, a, a hair gel, and they were using YouTube and YouTube influencers to tout the product and, and share information about the, the product. Now they're a full-time team of 18 doing, wow. I think, half a million in sales every month. So... <laughs> And they never raised any funding. So it's always very interesting to see how organic growth really takes shape. I think hearing that story of everyone posting it on their Instagram stories and explaining it in detail. And earlier you said you got to celebrate those moments, especially as a solo founder. It's so exciting to see all these moments and slowly things ramp up and start getting bigger and bigger. And I'm excited. <laughs> things. You discover so many things you didn't know before. And maybe one, one thing on, on that side is don't underestimate also the power of your friends. When it comes to my friends posting it on Instagram, they maybe have 500 followers. But if your friends post it and talk about it on, on social media, that really has an effect. Because if my friend does it, does post something about a product, obviously I trust her. That's why I always try and tell my friends, you need to post it because people trust you. Like, And they think, oh, I'm not important enough. I'm like, you are. That series makes a difference. Yes, that's one thing I'm big on all my friends posting it, talking about it, because then even if they just tell it to one more person, that will already help spread the word. So you have the main kind of product, the Cocoa Concept product. What's next for you? Will there be other types of flavors or packages or what's the evolution? What are the next steps that you're thinking about? 
Yeah, there's so many roads you could go down. I look at my competitors who, there are some who have different flavors out, but you could also make like an iced drink of it, or even we are working on some recipes and thinking about maybe we're going to launch that. But at the moment, I thought, you know what, I think it's important to educate people on the product itself because before I come out with tons of different product versions. So I'm really trying to sample a lot. We're going to create sample bags with a slightly new packaging. We're going to have have different sizes of the tea because people don't want to commit maybe right away to a whole bag. So just to have less of a barrier for people to buy it and really focus on that. And then some teaware because it's loose leaf and not everyone has a tea strain at home or a teapot. So we want to also invest a bit on that side. And yeah, focus first is really creating awareness of the product and then let next year see what I'm going to do. I have some ideas and I'm working on them like simultaneously, but for now, for this year, I think it's mainly creating the awareness of the product itself and how you can brew it because you can have it iced, you can have it as a latte. And as I said, it's a few versions of recipes you can do with it and just really focusing on that and educating people on that. Great. And I know that there's a big tea culture in the UK. Are you seeing that this product is enticing those who are already into the tea culture or is it a totally different category of people that are interested? Yeah, it's different here. It's hard because they're like committed tea drinkers. Like they love their black tea. And especially when I'm on a farmer's market, they're like, no, no, I'm sticking to my tea. <laughs> it's very like, what's going on? <laughs> It's hard, I think, to come into the market, especially like their tea brands here. Like they're so big. You walk into a supermarket, there's shelves and shelves of tea, all kind of selling the same, like black tea in different versions. You have some green tea here and there. They're really big on it. And for a product like me and like a small business like me to enter it, it can feel a bit intimidating. And it's hard to convince people of it because it's not really a tea, but it's also not a coffee. So it's a new product. I always like to put it on one category as matcha tea because that's a powder and it's also quite different the way you prepare it. And it's also higher in prices, a bit more premium. And it's hard to get into the market, but once people try it, that's where the magic happens. And they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I think the fact that it doesn't have any caffeine really is a big point because a lot of people want to have something chocolatey after dinner or just want to have a sensation of something sweet after dinner, for example, but they can't have a black tea then because then they can't fall asleep. That's a main reason why people buy it from the feedback I got. So yeah, let's see. Let's see if I can challenge the big tea brands. <laughs> I have even seen myself later in the day after I've already had a couple of coffees. I have recently been looking for a decaffeinated drink and I usually find some sort of decaffeinated key opposed to going to the decaf coffee. But I think that's a really interesting way to look at it is this is your evening drink without that caffeine boost makes you feel nice and, and that kind of thing. Or if you're about to go for a run, you can have this either in the morning when you wake up or after your run to cool off. I think the concept, for lack of a better word, is actually really cool. <laughs> it is quite a good addition because I myself, I'm guilty of drinking way too much coffee. Like it got to a point where I had five coffees a day and that's just not healthy. But it's that moment when you have a tea or coffee, like to pause and also to, I don't know, have a little break. That's why a lot of people drink it. It's not about the drink maybe itself all the time. And 
I think that's what I'm also trying with my tea to give them that break during the day or that nice moment they can sip on something that tastes nice. It's good for them at the same time. And it's interesting, a lot of people have it in the morning because it doesn't give you a caffeine crash. Like it gives you a subtle pick-me-up because it has it has theobromine in it, which is an alkaloid of the cacao plant. So it gives you that subtle pick-me-up, but it doesn't have any caffeine. So it's very light and you feel good without having any sort of caffeine crash afterwards. So you mentioned the farmer's market. When did you decide to go to the farmer's market and how often is it going on now? And I want to preface by saying, when I think of a food brand in the farmer's market, I always think about how the founder of Blue Bottle would always be going to the Oakland, California farmer's market before his brand really blew up. And now I think that he sold the company to Nestle and it's this it's a staple of coffee. And so how has the farmer's market experience been and how often are you actually doing that? I wish I would have started it way earlier. I think I was a bit hesitant at first because I wasn't quite sure how do I set it up because I had to pre-brew the tea at home and then bring it there in some sort of, I don't know how you call it in English, so the warmth stays inside and you can just give it out as samples. And yeah, I wish I would have started earlier. I was just a bit, I think, also scared how people would react because I know I love it. I know my friends love it, but what if someone says they hate it? So I was very hesitant at first, but then one of my friends said, you should really go to farmer's market. And I have a few friends who go there quite often, who manage it. And then I said, could I have a stand? And how much is it? And depending on which farmer's market you go to, there are some who are really cheap, like that you can rent a table for eight pounds and then just give um, a certain percentage of your earnings that day to the person. And I had no idea. That is great because it's a really low financial risk. And then I'm just there sampling, telling people, you should try it. Do you like some iced cocoa tea? Do you like some hot cocoa ask tea? And they're like, what is it? So I made these big posters and I hang them on my desk there. <laughs> I think the other people around me are like, what on earth is she doing? Just to really make the brand pop to have them all really colorful, uh, have big writing on there and have my tea strainers there as well. And just really try not to shout at people, but really look at them and say, you should want to try it. You want to try it. And so they really come over because I can't rely on them walking by then organically coming to you. It's very much like you have to be proactive and talking to them. And it's been going well. I've been doing it for a few weeks now, every Sunday, because I have a full-time job still. So I have to do it on the weekend. And now I'm looking into different ones, uh, different areas in London. London, where I know it's very busy there because the summer period is uh, usually a very quiet period. But it's for me, it's been quite busy. So I'm like, I wonder how September is going to look like then if this is really quiet. But yeah, that's been really helpful to see who's buying it, what they say, their reactions. And I always make notes after. So I, I remember what happened that day and uh, what people said. It's been very interesting and it will help develop the communication who I'm targeting. Maybe I'm rethinking, oh, should I slightly amend it? Because, for example, my audience is more female, for example. I have quite like a light rosé, pastel colored label. But you know what? A lot of men came to the table and tried it and bought it. So I was like, okay, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, but that's been very helpful. And I can highly recommend to any other food brands to go to markets and, and sample there. That's great. And I, I love how you are tracking your own analytics on everything and, and taking notes. And I think it makes a lot more sense for food, but it reminds me of this example. I had met a comedian in Chicago and this comedian told me that he measures the amount of laughs for each of his jokes. 
<laughs> no. And so he had a laugh per joke metric. And he would know that after, because he would record each of his sessions and then afterwards listen to how much people laughed. And so then he would know his like top laughed at jokes. And then when he would go to his next show, he would start saving some of the high laughs per joke jokes for certain quiet areas to make sure that people laugh. And of course, if you're a comedian, that's a very different thing. But I think in that farmer's market, it's fascinating that you're taking notes and you're thinking, okay, who's the demographic? How do I improve the people coming next time? And what worked? And the entrepreneur in me is is just getting really excited about thinking about growing the brand that way. So that's super exciting. Yeah, it's really cool. And it's also the communication towards like what makes people really come and try it. Because I have some Sundays where no one wants to really try it. And I don't know, is it the weather? Is it what I'm saying? So yeah, just trying to constantly analyze it and also to be patient. It can't always be 100% amazing, but just keep going. You can learn more about the Cocoa concept at the Cocoa, so C-O-C-O-A concept.com. Linda, do you have any last insights for our listeners today? I'd say just give it a try and be open-minded of new brands that are coming out and local brands. Just give them a chance. Because even now, after COVID especially, I'm always, if I get my coffee, I go to a local store just to support the community and just to be open about new things. And I guess for every, anyone really starting a business, even if you're by yourself like me, just try and stay positive and just keep going because it will eventually happen and just celebrate the little wins. And do you ship internationally? At the moment, I only ship to the UK. I shipped to Europe for a little bit, but then some Brexit rules happened. <laughs> so I was like, oh, no. But that's also on the radar for the end of the year is to ship to the US and Canada. Great. Linda, thank you so much for being on the Future Food Show. Thanks for having me. It's really, it was really great. This is your host, Alex, and we'll see you on the next episode. This program was produced by H Media. We'll see you soon.